Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Good Lawyer Show. Today, we have joining us friend of the podcast, Josh Weinberger. Josh is a corporate lawyer at Borden Ladner Gervais, one of Canada's top legal firms, and is someone that I often find myself turning to for a few crumbs of free legal advice. So I figured I may as well have him on the show to pick his brain for all to hear. Today, we discuss legal tech from a big firm perspective, and of course, how COVID-19 is both hindering and driving innovation. Although this really goes without saying, but before we begin, we must state that any legal information you hear on the show today is exactly that, legal information, and is not intended as advice. However, if you do need a great lawyer, we are here to help. Please visit our website at goodlawyer.ca and get your free legal advice session by entering the promo code hashtag washyourhands. Now that we have that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to the show. Josh, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Right on, right on. So you're staying busy uh, at, at the firm right now, or how, how's everything going work-wise for you? Well, um, you and know... More like, importantly, how's everything going life-wise for you, Josh? <laughs> uh, life-wise, you know, I, I can't really complain. Um, things are obviously different, and... And frankly, very weird, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coping pretty well. It's nice to see both of you guys here, uh, got the zoom thing going, which is kind of the, the new normal for connecting with buddies and friends and family and that kind of thing, which is unique. (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) It's not quite the real thing, is it? It's not quite the real thing. Uh, no, I, I actually, just before this, I came back from, hanging out on the stoop at my folks place my dad's 70th birthday today so oh no way uh yeah uh interesting way to celebrate a birthday hanging out outside but you know nice just to be able to see people in the flesh but yeah you're right brad uh zoom is a poor substitute for real human contact yes it is yes it is (laughs) yeah Yeah, we've already discussed how brett's uh as the extrovert that he is is suffering a little bit uh through this whole this whole issue but uh but yeah josh are you uh are you you know are, are you been pretty much in your apartment the whole time or have you been in the office or how's that working for you i, I know you've been taking it pretty seriously the whole self-isolating which uh you know you're being a good responsible citizen and everything like that uh but is that is that pretty much your only outside contact or how are you coping well um i think with the work you know, in the, in the work world, we adjusted pretty quick. So, you know, I, I remember having beers with you guys uh, at, at uh, Good Lawyer headquarters just before this all started. And uh, the, the rapid change of the universe that we were about to experience was just kind of on the horizon. And uh, it was really hitting home heavily for me at that point. Um, and I kind of made the decision at that point that I wasn't going to go back to the office. That was a Friday. Uh, by Monday morning, I actually didn't even have a choice in that matter. We had uh, made the decision nationally to uh, say that all lawyers had to be out of the office by Tuesday, wow. which meant uh, you know people that hadn't brought their laptops and their files home and that kind of thing had about 24 hours to figure it out. So, yeah, it's been um, it's been an adjustment for sure. But you know, the big law world, 
um, particularly here in Canada. And I recognize that I'm in a very unique and sort of privileged segment of society that I can basically take my work laptop home with me and uh, plug it in <laughs> and I can, you know, continue to operate with almost no disruption. So keep billing, baby. Get some crunches in between those memos. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys know that. <laughs> oh, I think Josh is long beyond memos, my friend. He's... Yeah. Well, you know, they don't make you write memos anymore, Josh. Are you even a lawyer? Come on. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not doing a lot of that. Although, the, I, I um, you know, our, our industry is certainly not um, uh, unique in the sort of economic and otherwise impacts that COVID's having across Canada and across the world. So things are changing and the workflow for us is changing. And I, I speak to some of my colleagues who are pretty frustrated with the number of uh, pro bono marketing materials and informational articles that they're being asked to write oh, these yeah. days, as opposed yeah. to yeah, sinking their teeth into deals and whatever else. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, actually, so you're kind of touching on the first question I have from uh, for you there is that, you know, working from home is obviously nothing new for lawyers. Uh, that being said, you know, permanently working from home is, is a little bit different. So uh, like, has was your firm more or less prepared for this? Or has there been a period of adjustment? I think the, the firm was, I think, maybe I should give them the benefit of the doubt that they had foresight for this type of thing because in the last year or so we did make a move to uh, moving all of our lawyers from desktops to laptops had this happened a year ago right we wouldn't have been there and so we are really in the you know absolute first generation of um, you know adjusting to a distributed workforce and you know, I say first generation, well, lots of our tools don't work super smoothly. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we get on a tool like this with Zoom, I can see you guys both absolutely crystal clear. Uh, but in the legal world, there's some, there's issues with Zoom. It's, you know, yes. maybe not the most secure tool and that kind of thing. So we're, we're, we're making do and we're doing the best we can with, um, uh, some of our, I would say, a bit more dated technologies and that kind of thing. But yeah, the laptop alone is like the the hugest thing, and and uh, so we're you know we're quite lucky to be able to have that. And and like I said, uh, apart from some frustration with uh, WebEx, uh, things are rolling pretty good. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I, you know, I, I the timing was very good for blg in terms of making that switch to yeah laptops more than you know more than anything else like that you know without that switch which like you said wasn't that long ago <laughs> the ability to migrate everybody online like would it would have been impossible so yeah. you know kudos to the to the management at blg for you know <laughs> making the move before I, like i'm sure there's firms that did, have not made that move and they're probably reeling right now yeah i honestly i think that i think that they they the management deserves a bit of credit for foresight in that i mean we have a we have a chief risk officer which uh you know initially when i 
saw that appointment kind of scratched my head at but uh you know <laughs> potentially this is this is part of value that like people who think in those kind of terms bring to an organization so you know not only we have laptops now but we integrate we uh migrated over to like a different document management system like a cloud-based thing that's just, just like i manage it's yeah and it's you know a quantum leap ahead of what we had previously in oh, terms good. of speed remotely mm -hmm. um so i mean your point matt yeah lawyers have had the ability to work from home uh for a long time you know i've had a, a laptop and an ability to work from home for at least a year and a half right uh, but i never did because the technology was so bad that it, uh, <laughs> yeah it was just not workable um, yeah and let's keep in mind that people in other industries have been working from home for over a decade you know what i mean like it has been a very lethargic pace that uh the firms yeah. big and small have you know on adopting new technologies and taking advantage of a lot of the stuff that exists, Zoom included. Yeah, well, the, the legal world's not alone in that, but this that's, a, I think, going to be a, a major macroeconomic shift and legacy that is, you know, will be sort of North America 2.0. Um, whenever that is, the need to have all of your workforce in expensive downtown real estate is that's that's a different thing well you're you're getting ahead of yourself josh because i do have a question about that actually on that very topic in in a minute so well and i just want to shut up yeah <laughs> quickly interject on that one because yeah. you, you mentioned that like law isn't the only industry um that has been lethargic in terms of adopting digital technologies and i don't disagree with you but i would argue that they've been one of the slowest out of all you know there's like telehealth is is widely used right now not super widely but certainly way more than law and then you have other spaces like finance and things like that where everything's been digital for quite some time so you know the fintech revolution has already happened and we're still seeing that play out but like legal tech and the adoption of technology for lawyers is still just kind of early days and in my view a little behind some other places yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Josh? Being someone who works at a big firm, do you agree? Or uh, do you think that they're doing a pretty good job switching over? Uh, well, yeah, no question that I agree with that. I mean, that's why I I am on board and see see the value add in the in the good lawyer space, right? I mean, right. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, evolution and integration of technology into into the way we practice and the way we participate in you know the global economy is uh it's it's such a necessary part of life and such an unavoidable part of life and i don't know whether law was just rooted in sort of tradition and sort of the seriousness of the of the subject matter and the profession and security had to be paramount in all yeah. these things and it i don't know whether it was uh became a crutch or something like that a reason not to really innovate at the same space but yeah i mean well just jumping on that uh do you think uh you know we are seeing just the practice of law change substantially 
uh, in many ways at things that they said they would never be able to do, like, uh, you know, digital uh, over the internet hearings in court and things of this nature are happening. Uh, do you think that this is this, uh, you know, COVID, do you think it will speed up the, um, the willingness of uh, even bigger firms like yours to adopt this type of technology, seeing that, hey, even courts are, if something like this happens, you know, they're forced to adapt. Do you think that'll be across the board? Or do you think that there's still going to be some reluctance there to, uh, to move in this direction? That's a really interesting question. I mean, I, I don't really know how to gaze into the crystal ball on that. I hope that there's uh, lessons that are learned in terms of efficiencies and in terms of, um, you know, I think that there's strong public policy arguments in terms of, uh, you know, this crisis that we have in terms of access to justice and finite resources, uh, finite you know, amount of court time and judges right. and, and all of that kind of thing, uh, where certainly technology can be uh, an answer to, you know, drive efficiency and, and to create more opportunity for people to sort of um, access the system. I mean, uh, last week, last week we closed a deal, um, you know, really complex deal in the, in the world of, of public company uh, mergers and acquisitions that under normal circumstances requires um, a shareholder meeting, requires court appearances, and we did it entirely in the context of COVID-19. We uh, compiled all our documents, you know, completely remotely. We made submissions to court remotely. We had two court applications heard remotely and we had a shareholder meeting conducted virtually um right efficiencies to yeah. be here and and you know for i i can't really think of a in something that is was a non-controversial deal that you know parties on all sides wanted to see happen i i can't think of a strong public policy argument for why anybody needed to be in court or anybody needed to be at the meeting in person. Right. Yeah. So, so already you're seeing the jettison of maybe some of these uh, uh, processes that used to have a, a reason for being, but maybe don't have the same relevance anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yep. Well, I was just going to say the one that like, uh, you know, and you guys would have experienced this too in your early days in practicing at big firms, just the like, uh, importance around uh, wet ink signatures <laughs> yeah, three, exactly. four, five years ago, where it's like, oh my God, if you blue lose pen. blue yeah, pen, yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you lose the client's blue pen original signature, notwithstanding that he's emailed you two copies and you took scans, <laughs> like, you know, what are we, what are we talking about here? And that's one thing that um, you know we've we've seen lots of guidance from some of the um regulatory agencies you know the corporate registry and and regulatory bodies across canada advising like yeah we're totally relaxing all those rules right now and um you know that's one thing that absolutely makes a lot of sense for me for that to be the the go forward right. move well yeah when it happens and you don't see any harm come from it it's hard to argue that it's not exactly you know it should at least be there as an option. And it, when it drives that kind of efficiencies, it's like hard to 
hard to argue with it. Yeah. So, so just kind of quickly based off of that too, then if, if you may, maybe don't see the top down changes, whether it's coming from the, the firm itself or the law society or the courts or wherever that may be, do you think that the clients are just going to demand this in the future saying, you know, Hey, I didn't have to come in and sign that last time. And frankly, I don't want to make my way all the way over to your offices to do that or vice versa, whatever the case may be. Do you think that clients are just going to start demanding that these, uh, uh, you know, these conveniences remain permanent. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, clients, clients all use technology, I mean, to Brett's point, in, in medicine and all these other facets of their life. And, uh, you know, to suggest that um, health is somehow <laughs> not as significant or not as personal as law is obviously I mean, totally. It, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around that. Those are, you know, two, you know, absolutely crucial, very personal, important parts of of the way society functions. So if we can get around it in the context of uh, yeah. seeking and administering health, um, then yeah, I absolutely believe that clients and consumers of legal services are going to demand that they their lawyers figure out how to you know, deliver in the same kind of way. Totally. And I think one of the problems, you know, historically and still today uh, with seeing that type of innovation in the legal space is that it's just fundamentally, it's so fragmented. There's no like, you know, BLG being one of the biggest firms in Canada. And then there, you know, there being like a few of the firms that are sort of global and operate under those kind of funny Swiss structures. But the like, it's it's hard to get the the size and the scale of a company to implement like true innovation in the space, and I, I really see that fragmentation as being a big inhibitor of adopting new technologies and creating them. Yeah. So Brett, I mean, good lawyers obviously, you know, leveraging technologies to to bring legal services to to people across Canada, and you know, frankly, people that. Um, may not otherwise access legal services through somebody like me. Mm -hmm. You know, on the platform, are you creating the kind of process or or putting the type of technologies in place so that the the lawyers that provide legal services through Good Lawyer, your good lawyers, um, are adopting technologies, are using things like, I mean, I throw out DocuSign, that's just such a you know, ubiquitous thing to Matt's point that clients ask us for now, like, well, I sent you a signature package. Well, I didn't get it in my DocuSign. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, that's how they want to execute stuff now. Is that something that the good lawyers on the platform have to be comfortable with, a, a base level of tech? Ab I mean, absolutely. The, the way that good lawyer functions now, um, you know, we're, we're really good at advice and certain reviews that don't necessitate DocuSign. Um, but you know, the lawyers that we have on our platform are inherently tech friendly and use those other types of softwares, DocuSign just being one of many uh, all the time. And I think that that move and you know, the vast majority of lawyers on our platform are under 40 and you know, just grew up with technology. And you know, I think the, as they 
continue to develop in their careers. And then obviously, you know, the even younger lawyers coming in after them, it's just going to become more and more prevalent. And, you know, to your, I think one of your earlier points, lawyers move at the speed of client expectations and client expectations are, are pretty much there now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of these uh, sacred cows in the in the legal services world uh, may come tumbling down for that exact reason. I just can't see that once you've shown that, hey, this actually can be done a different way that people would still be, especially very busy people would be willing to uh, uh, continue that. Uh, well, and, and just one more, one more point please, to, yeah. to Josh's question, um, more specific to good lawyer, you know, we want to streamline the delivery of legal services as much as we can. And as a startup, you know, we have limited resources, so we can't, you know, boil the ocean and do everything. So we've been selective with the pieces of the puzzle that we want to streamline right now. Um, but the idea with a platform like good lawyer is to streamline a piece of that puzzle and then provide that streamlined functionality to a wide array of users and, you know, take advantage of the platform nature, which allows for scaled efficiencies. And that's really the problem when I was talking about fragmentation earlier is, you know, ev there's so much reinventing of the wheel that you can cut out with the platform. And so that's what we're trying to do again on like a, a few pieces of the puzzle right now. But, you know, there's other companies that we talk to and that I just am aware about in the, in the space that they're tackling other pieces of the puzzle. Right. And again, as, as more and more lawyers and, clients alike adopt platforms like we're using in all sorts of other areas. Um, you know, that's where we're going to see the real huge, crazy, big efficiencies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anything to add to that, Josh? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, not really, but what, what I kind of, what I'm thinking, you know, I, I spoke of this concept of North America 2.0, like there, there's people now that are getting comfortable with the idea of buying their, buying their produce from Amazon. Um, you know, I, I can order all my groceries online. I can, um, I can contact my family doctor and get prescriptions uh, through telemedicine now because I can't, you know, I can't go into walk-in clinics. I can't go to the hospital. Um, and, and there's just, there's gotta be such a large kind of shift in the cultural narrative and the sort of, idea around what was you know a very kind of traditional industry in a in an industry that you know traditionally maybe didn't seem like it was available to serve everybody right. and you know just the demand of technology to make things more efficient and for people you know hopefully it, it just creates uh, a real a real drive for people to access it and a real drive for demand for people to say, you know, I should be able to get this. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's starting to happen for sure. Again, just seeing what can be done. And, and I think we're going to see a rapid development of, in technology to uh, accommodate this. Cause like, let's be honest, we're not sure how long COVID is going to be going on and there's going to be some real winners and losers uh, determined in the next few months. Uh, well, and you know, just on that kind of point, like I'm not sure if you're familiar, Josh, with the legal innovation zone out of uh, Ryerson in Toronto, and they just started their own sort of web series right now in the midst of COVID, and it's called The Legal Gold Rush Unmet Legal Needs. And they're trying to highlight the huge opportunity for lawyers to service this huge swath of 
clients and consumers that have legal needs that aren't simply aren't being met. So it, I, I think it's a super exciting time to be involved in the legal tech space because I think people are starting to realize how big the access to justice problem really is and how solvable it is too. Right. So, so Josh, I got it. We, you kind of brought it up earlier uh, and, and Brett jump in on this as well. Cause you've uh, you're no stranger to the desk and the chair as well, but uh, I just want to get your take on, on the differences between actually going into the office and having a, a traditional office with a, a beautiful window. And I believe a, a nice plant on your desk and, and everything else and, and working from home and, and where you fall on the debate. Cause there's, there's one emerging now. And you mentioned it, like one of the most expensive, uh, you know, uh, things on the on, on the on the account sheet is is office space. And if you can knock, you know, ten percent, eleven percent off the bottom line by having people work at home, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to be looking seriously at this. Especially the more comfortable we get with this uh, idea of working remotely. That being said. I'm not too sure that I'm ready to abandon the idea of the office. I do think it does serve a purpose. And uh, I think for some, it, it seems to work very well. Like you go out, you kind of leave the potential chaos at home if you have three dogs or kids or whatever, and, and you have a place to go work. So I'm just kind of curious, what, do you, what are your thoughts around that? Oh, uh, Brett, you want to jump in? Okay, I got I to I dive in on that one because <laughs> okay. you just made me think of something that I, I think is kind of interesting. And it's, you know, you're talking about the bottom line and the firm saving money because they don't need as much space right. and they're able to utilize that remote workforce. But what I think is going to be really interesting is when lawyers feel empowered to do whatever they want in terms of if they want to like work solo, it's not this huge, pretty like enormous headache that it is right now, but it's as, as easy as plugging in. And if you're a lawyer and one of the, like the benefits of becoming a lawyer is that you can work anywhere in the world. You know, you're licensed in Alberta, you're licensed in Canada, but you can work anywhere because you're working totally remotely and you, you know, you deal in information. So right. that's, what's really interesting to me is if, is when that shift occurs where, you know, the freelance lawyer is easy and extremely viable. It's a very viable option coming out of law school. So that's the piece that really excites me down the road. Totally. Josh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? I'll, I'll latch on to, uh, I'll latch on to what Brett's talking about since that's where he's really excited to chat. About. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you make a good point, Brett, but I, you know, one thing that is still a little bit of a, a barrier to that, like total freedom of, of mobility for, um, for lawyers is just practically the expectation of, of service delivery. So, you know, you're, you're right that, you know, I, and I, I mentioned this earlier, I, I know that I'm, you know, one of the incredibly lucky and privileged few that can um, pick up their computer and move home and, and really not skip a beat in a, in a COVID lockdown. But um, could I effectively do my job from a beach in Bali? Probably not because my clients are mostly Alberta based, right? And, and my clients call me during Alberta business hours and they want a response during Alberta business hours. And that's, that's still at the end of the day, what I think is the the biggest value add of having a of having a um, a lawyer that you trust and a lawyer that understands your business and a lawyer that you have relationship with is that uh, they subscribe to uh, 
uh, a certain level of service standards and part of that service standards is that like yeah. when you call or when I call you answer when you when I email you you respond um, but I mean you're right the there was always a sense in the big firm environment and we've been shifting at BLG towards having a bit you know prior to this having a bit more freedom to work remotely um, you know and creating some policies around it so that you wouldn't necessarily feel like you're Right. somehow ostracized or compromising your future in the firm by choosing to work remotely. Um, All right. Let, let me dive back in here because there's a thing I wanted to bring up with you before Matt rudely interrupted us. Uh, <laughs> so Sorry, the I'm time zone, the time zone argument, I totally agree with you. So let's just say you could move anywhere you wanted time zone plus two. You want to go to South America? I think I could find you time zone plus two in there. So you are limited, but still pretty broad yeah you know we've got the one uh one of our lawyers out in squamish and she just moved there she's living remote beautiful but the other thing i wanted to comment on because i love that you brought that up and you know i think we were because me and josh article together and uh i think on our first day we were given a book by the managing partner called the trusted advisor do you remember that totally yeah yeah whalen gave us the trusted advisor great book um and there's a place for the trusted advisor, but I don't think that we're going to really do a significant improvement on the access problem. If we expect everybody to get a trusted advisor, because that relationship is just a, a, a significant one and simply out of the pocket, you know, the, the budget of a lot of those people. And so that's what brings me to like you, you could live kind of wherever you want, but that, that position would be for like a different type of lawyer, you know, like, yeah, that, that's a, not to cut you off, but I think that's a totally fair point. I mean, frankly, not everybody needs a trusted advisor either. Totally. I mean, right. That's a lot of, a lot of, and I, I think a lot of what you've seen through people that have been accessing Good Lawyer in the in the early days here are not people that are seeking, um, you know, a long-term trusted advisor type relationship. It's people that have one-off what, you know, in, in my world, we would kind of think of as commoditized type legal services. Right, absolutely. That, yeah, add a ton of value to that person to have a clear answer around what the risks are and, and um, you know, what the, what the lease means or whatever the context is, but is, is not something that requires a long-term relationship between the, the lawyer and the, and the consumer. Totally. And when you have a, a profession and an industry built on that trusted advisor relationship, which, you know, I consider super important for certain circumstances, but when the whole profession is built off of that concept, that's, I think, part of the reason why we're unable to help so many of these people that don't have that extended legal need, but, you know, have those point questions that lawyers have answers to. And that's the thing. Like, it was amazing when we started Good Lawyer and I was, you know, one of the first Uber drivers per se, how much information you could and how, how much you could help somebody in 15 minutes. Because, like, you just yep. wouldn't believe, like, what's in your head from law school, from working, from everything else. 
And it's like, you just it's know true. things that are super valuable and tricky. So anyways, I digress, but uh, yeah, I wanted to come back to those two points. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know you've done that to me many times, Josh, where I'll be thrashing over some issue and you'll just casually mention the answer and you know it's a big benefit to me while i know uh not taking up too much of your time so it's it's uh and that's really one of the principles that good lawyers built on so well yeah and not everybody has a josh weinberger in their back pocket like exactly you know? I, I abuse the free legal advice from uh going to law school if there is one benefit you can uh you can call up a bunch of your friends and not feel too too guilty about and i guilty. i've been really good i haven't <laughs> plugged yet so here it comes yeah, that's right yeah good for you Good Lawyer is uh, currently offering free legal advice sessions for any Canadians impacted by COVID and have some legal questions. So, you know, you can take oh, advantage important. of that by uh, checking out Good Lawyer. The promo code is hashtag wash your hands, all lowercase. Yeah, no, that's, uh, okay, that's, a, that's a great service. Yeah, no, no, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Absolutely. Uh, so no, I, I'm, happy, I'm happy to hear you plug that, man. I mean, I think that's exactly. such a, a great thing that, uh, frankly, you and the and the team decided to do almost right out of the gate here, and so yeah, it, it absolutely needs to be said. And um, you know, it's it's a great great opportunity for people to to access the platform and, and get some clarity around uh, you know a potential really scary time with all kinds of uh, impossible yeah. to to predict uh sort of legal ramifications coming out of the woodwork you know week after week after week here to totally and honestly one of the best uses we've seen on the platform in the last few weeks has been if you have a question about one of the government assistant programs like that is perfect for one of our free advice sessions get in touch with a lawyer they can explain to you you know if you're eligible and what you can you know what benefits yeah. you can receive so like that is something that i really encourage anyone listening get the free advice session, make sure that you're taking advantage of all of these government programs because there is a lot. Right on. Hey, Josh, I really appreciate it. I know you're uh, busy uh, crushing some deals right now. So uh, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, this was great. And we'll definitely have to have you on again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, you know, great excuse to see both of you guys. So I'm awesome. happy to be here and look forward to the next one. Well, you'll be a regular buddy. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. Really enjoyed that. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks again to Josh for being on the show, and we hope to have him on again soon. Today's show was produced by Brock Pachelik, and if you like what you heard, we would greatly appreciate if you took a quick second to give us a five-star rating, and of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button to ensure you are not missing any nuggets of wisdom from our guests. Until next time, please stay safe out there.